everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today is the 16th episode of season two, episode 30 of Gutsy Media Podcast. If you're going all the way back to the beginning, it's been just about a year. Uh, we've been going on this journey and I'm having a blast. So thank you for all the support and downloads and such. If you want to do more and continue to support after the episode ends, um, all you have to do is like, subscribe, share, tell a friend, uh, buy some merch, follow us on social media. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Letterboxd. Also, don't forget to support who supports us. This episode is brought to you by Ridley's Gaming Realm. They have been a huge supporter of ours, and we can't be happier to have them as a partner. Check out Ridley's Gaming Realm on Facebook, where they set themselves apart by having an amazingly low scam rating for buying and selling any of your retro gaming needs. Check them out and make sure you tell them DFAT sent you. My guest today is Casey Bowker, owner and operator of Don't Forget to Towel Entertainment, and he has picked About Time, the 2013 British comedy starring Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel McAdams. Uh, so without further ado, on with the show. I saw that. I saw him post that. It's very nice of you. Mm, he turns 40 this year, so. The big 4-0. Oh. Oh, big shout out to Chris walk. Uh, what's making you use the mic and not, not your headphone mic. Uh, so you have better audio quality. Well, my fans appreciate that. Yup. Hey y'all, you all, <laughs> all y'all, all y'all fans out there. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for joining me, uh, for season two. Woo! I couldn't believe you made it past season one. <laughs> um, so yeah, congratulations for Thank having you. me on. <laughs> um, there ha- I did, I did tweak a few things, so I'm excited to roll them out to you as we progress. Yeah. Uh, the first one is we now have a mission statement, if you will. We have a purpose for the podcast. Okay. So I'm just going to roll it out to you first thing, so that you can understand. What we, meaning yourself and I, have set out to accomplish today, and that is determining if this was a good movie. Okay, that's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. That's that's, that's the goal. We need to figure out if 2013's About Time was a good movie. Um. So ha- have you seen? Going to be every single mo- like. Every movie this okay, so first of all, I have a couple questions before you get into all this. As I first knew you all, would. Am I the first guest of season two? You are not. Okay. All right. So this could be episode three. I could just get buried. Okay. Next <laughs> question. What if you watch a bad movie? Like then you know what I mean? Like movie equivocally it's just like it's like the room right or or uh sharknado or something like it's intentionally a bad movie does that change the mission statement so first off you bite your tongue sharknado is a masterpiece honestly but i get the idea um no i mean it doesn't it doesn't change the purpose i mean here's the thing ultimately what makes a good movie is in the eye of the beholder um And I think we can both admit that what what I aimed what I aim to try to figure out is as your love for a movie uh, increases during the course of watching a movie, mm-hmm. are you more likely to o- overlook certain things that you wouldn't otherwise overlook? And I honestly think this is probably the perfect movie to apply that to, because on the surface, this isn't. A, a good movie. I mean, on the surface, there's there's flaws with it. There's unexplained loose ends. There's plot points that don't quite make sense. Um, but does are we are you able to overlook that because the value of the movie or the message of the movie or whatever you get out of the movie is stronger than it would be in an otherwise less you know pulled off movie? And I think that's what we aim to accomplish here is to figure out did they pull it off. Are we able to overlook the shortcomings and make this a good and, and rule this to be a good movie, or are the short shortcomings just too too short? 
they're long comings. <laughs> well, I mean, because we've had that conversation, right? We, we, you can pick any movie. I don't care what it is. You can pick any movie, and you can you can find issues with it, and you can pick it apart, and and you can make it sound bad. Um, mm-hmm. But but ultimately, you know, we as the as the moviegoer choose to overlook some of that stuff sometimes for the sake of just enjoying what was put in front of us. Okay. Yeah. I agree with those statements. Great. So, so you picked 2000 about time. Had you seen this movie prior to watching it for this, uh, this episode? Multiple times. Really? Yep. So then I got to ask why, why was this your movie? Because I knew you hadn't seen it. And I was curious as to your thoughts because um, season one uh, of the of the show um, was a lot more action oriented in some ways. Um, not everything, you know. Draft Day is not an action movie necessarily, but it has some actiony scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the with the football. But um, with, you know, with it was, the football with the football. It was a little bit more, and I don't like to be gender specific. To be quite honest with you, but it was a little bit more on a masculine side of things. So mm-hmm. I wanted to present uh, something that you know maybe wouldn't um, not all of the audience might have seen or even thought to have seen. You know, Birdman doesn't have a gender necessarily, but you know what I mean. Like I'm just. I wanted to try something out of uh, out of the box. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I so I am actually a huge um, romantic comedy fan. Uh, we call it a chick flick fan. I I honestly like a good story, regardless of whether it be love focused or action focused. Um, Time Traveler's Wife, which I'm sure we'll talk about numerous times during the episode, is one of my oh, favorites. Man, the Notebook you. is arguably one of the best. Uh, dramatic romantic movies of all time um and uh so i was actually very pleased that you picked a movie kind of up this this genre because like you said it doesn't we don't get you to mean talk another about another rachel mcadams love story because yeah. you named two exactly involving <laughs> involving time travel as well um, i mean even the notebook they they tend to jump yes, forward in, in giant chunks but um so did you see it when it first came out or was it sometime afterwards not sorry when it came out and I subsequently watch it at least once a year uh, since it's come out. It is a great movie. It's got a great story. Um, so briefly to touch, so I on, guess that's it. We're done. That's it. That was the end of the podcast. <laughs> Did you enjoy that? That was our mission statement. We're over. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause so, I don't hate it. You don't. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. There you go. Done. Uh, so it's the director of the movie is, I'm going to butcher Curtis. Richard Curtis, who also does Love Actually, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pirate Radio. I'm assuming that's that seems like right up your genre. That one's not a love story, but the other ones are. Yeah, right. Well, He's I mean, he does. Just great. Writer. Yeah, he 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 did a um, the screenplay for War Horse. Um, he's done quite a few things. A lot of romantic comedies. Bridget Jones. I'm um, just going through his little uh, thing here. Nodding Hell. He was a writer on that. Um, tons of TV stuff. So, I mean, this is this is obviously right out of his wheelhouse. Um, yeah. Mama Mia. Here we go again, which is another interesting movie. Have you? Did you see the Mama Mias? I saw the first one. I didn't think that i should see the second one i but you know yesterday that came out last year was uh simply brilliant um and that one was written by richard curtis and directed by danny boyle who is one of my favorite directors ever uh danny boyle he did the train spotting movies Mm -hmm. um he did slumdog 127 hours i mean danny boyle is just absolutely fantastic I will have to check that out. I didn't even hear of it yesterday. Oh, yeah. You'd love it. Um, so this movie stars, as we said, Rachel McAdams, who is known for being the love interest. Um, she actually in a lot takes, of movies. In a lot of movies, specifically movies revolving around uh, time travel, time travel's wife. That was actually kind of one of the things that turned me off a little bit 
was of all the actresses to get when it comes to your love time travel movie, you kind of get one that's famous for being in another love time travel movie. So I, I felt, I guess originally it was supposed to be Zoe Deschanel, uh, but she had to back out doing the scheduling conflicts or something last minute. So Rachel McAdams swoops in because, I mean, I, I assume she's on standby for romantic comedies just to to break out in, in production any given time. Uh, she yeah. stars She stars alongside Dom Halnall? <laughs> Dom, Dom Nall Gleason. There you go. Uh, who's obviously famous for playing General Hux in the series, but also he's in Ex Machina. Um, he was in The Reverend um, and a couple other uh, somewhat well-known roles in other movies. But I, I think Star Wars is his his breakout role. I'd argue it was this one, but honestly, and in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, the Harry Potter movies, but he's kind of a minor role in that. He is, but that was the first time um, that most people had really known him. You know what I mean? And and then after that, it seems like he just kind of kept kept getting more and more roles. Right. And then obviously um, the two of them, the, the really only third main headliner in this movie is Bill Nye. Not the Bill Nye you're thinking of. Uh, the Bill Nye from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Nye. Nye. Is that his name? Yeah. Nye? <laughs> yeah. That's Nye. N-I-G-H-Y. That's Nye. He's British, man. They, you know. They, Come need on. to spell things in proper <laughs> English. Um, so he plays Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, he's also pretty well known for, I mean, a thousand other roles. I mean, the guy's been in everything. He was in a lot of the Underworld movies where mm-hmm. he plays like the main, the main Dracula-esque vampire. He's also most recently in one of our favorite TV shows, Castlevania, where he plays St. Germain. Uh, yeah, that's a voices. Funny character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's in um Richard Curtis's movies too, like Love Actually, and <laughs> Pirate Radio. <laughs> he he's a really good actor. He does have a very distinct face, very distinct voice, and this has got to be one of the first roles that I've seen him in where he doesn't play some sort of supernatural esque being or creature or something. <laughs> He plays just a normal guy. Well, <laughs> relatively speaking, I guess. Because <laughs> I mean, it's arguably that time travel is supernatural, but yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, Gleason stars as Tim, who is in his early 20s. And shortly after a New Year's Eve party, uh, is told by his father, Bill, that... The men in their family can time travel. And ultimately, it's just getting into a dark spot, squeezing your fists together and thinking of the spot that you want to be, and you'll go back there. And then you'll continue to live out your life as if you know, this is your first go around from that that moment forward. And the, the father gives a brief explanation about you know, you can obviously use this to get money or to do all these things, but ultimately the men in our family have determined that most of that's kind of meaningless or otherwise leads to bad or poor life outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and Tim decides to basically use it to get a girlfriend. Uh, initially, he goes after uh, Margot Robbie, who's in the movie, as a family friend. I, they didn't really go into details as far as who she is. Is she like a friend of the sister? Yeah. Okay. So she's a, or right. Whatever. Yeah. So he's very close to his sister, whose nickname is Kit Kat. And uh, Margot Robbie shows up as her friend, is in a, ends up staying with them for the summer. And uh, Tim mm-hmm. pulls a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, Margot Robbie. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. Forget about it. She's obviously famous for Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, um, Wolf of Wall Street, stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, interesting article I read today said that uh, uh, Gunn said that uh, Margot Robbie is the best actor he's ever worked with, which I, I found. Would, I, you know, after watching I, Tanya, I was like, damn, this this girl can act. I oh, always, you know, sure. I thought she was good, but she was great in that. So he he attempts to woo her um, in your typical like. He'll he'll live out uh, uh, 
an, an episode with her or a scene with her. And then when she says, oh, you know, you should have done this before. Or you should have said this. Or then he goes into a closet, backs up a day or so and, and does it the right way. So he ultimately tries to woo her, but is unsuccessful um, because, you know, women don't know what they want. Men don't know what they want. And every time he goes to do what she says he should do, she winds up saying he shouldn't have done that. Um, and he kind of considers this his first love and lost. You know, he really liked her and uh, she ultimately leaves after the end of the summer and they don't ever culminate the relationship. Uh, he moves to London where he uh, aspires to be a lawyer and he runs into Rachel McAdams. Um, the, the gentleman that he lives with in, in London is a family friend of his father. And I'm going to try to get the actor's name, although I'm sure you know it. Tom Hollander. He is hilarious in this movie. I really liked his character. He is the epitome of an asshole. Um, but uh, <laughs> he does it for like comedic reasons. At least you, you kind of get that impression. He's not an asshole for asshole's sake, which I really like. I like those kind of characters. Yeah, this guy, um, he's he's a a pretty well known British actor, um, but he uh, has done you know like Pride and Prejudice, and he actually is in a couple of. Uh, the Pirates movies um, mm-hmm. with Bill Nighy. So I thought that that was a nice little, you know, uh, connection to the two of them as well. So, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's a good actor. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he bumps into Rachel McAdams in a happenstance and instantly is wooed by her. Uh, they exchange numbers. They seem to really like like each other. But due to a situation with Tom and, and trying to help him out, uh, Tim ends up having to go back and kind of redo the night that he met her and unfortunately doesn't bump into her um, again. So now he's out to try to find her. All he's got is her name and the fact that she loves uh, a certain model and um, he's he's out, to, he's out to find her. And he eventually does. He finds her and proceeds to woo her just like he attempted to, re- to woo Margot Robbie. But this time it works and you see his life kind of play out over the course of the next 10 years um, where they fall in love, ultimately get married and um, attempt to start a family. I mean, who wouldn't with Rachel McAdams, right? (laughs) She's, she's, she's one of my favorites. I think she's a really good actress. Um, She's obviously, you know, nice to look at. (laughs) She, she seems, she's one of those actresses uh, or actors that seems really down to earth. Like I would like to hang out with her. And take her out (laughs) (laughs) and woo her um, through time travel. It's apparently something she's into. It Uh, seems to be the case. (laughs) So um, he finds out that over the course of this 10 years or so that him and his sister have drifted apart slightly and that uh, she has started drinking pretty heavily Mm -hmm. and ends up getting into a car accident because of her intoxication he attempts to go back in time to fix what initially causes her to become an alcoholic, which is she meets this guy um, at the New Year's Eve party that was in the beginning of the movie. Well, by doing that, he basically erases everything that has happened throughout his life. Um, but he, either way, he's able to kind of keep that going. The The downside is, is when he gets up to present day, his daughter who um, he, had, he had just had with Rachel McAdams is now a son. Um, and anybody who has a child can, you know, once that bond has been established, it's not the same when it's a different kid. Uh, <laughs> Anyone who's gone through this would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's had some time travel in their life. Yeah. Um, so he goes back and he undoes that. He, un- he undoes the saving of his sister. And two things happen simultaneously. One, uh, the sister still has the car accident. Um, she survives, but he has his heart to heart with her and basically explains to her that she needs to fix her life. Um, she ultimately decides to leave the boy that was causing the problems and, uh, seems to carry on the rest of the movie, uh, healthy and, and successful. He also has another conversation with his father and explains to his father what happened. The father says, when it comes to redoing 
time, uh, you can't always, you know, the, the, a fraction of a second can mean a different sperm hitting the egg. So once you have kids, it's kind of the, the end all be all. You can't really go back prior to that. Otherwise you risk not having the same child, which is something that the father alludes to. It's what caused him to stop going back, you know, prior. Am, am I missing anything major right now? No, I mean, like, no, that's the crux of the whole time travel conundrum in this movie. Yeah. So the movie is two hours long, just about two hours and three minutes. And at this point, I think we're right about the hour 10 mark. Mm-hmm. And and this is where the movie kind of takes a noticeable shift. And it goes from the romantic comedy, where is, um, it shifts from going from Tim and um, Rachel McAdams' character falling Mary. in love in their love story to you find out Tim's father has cancer, um, which presents this, this amazing connection between the two of them because obviously they both can time travel. So the conversation that he has with his father, which, th- I mean, this is really, for me, the hook in 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 the the fish cheek of me watching this movie because this is where the movie goes from just a really nice romantic comedy to like a very deep sentimental movie. He has this conversation with his father where he basically says you knew this. You you knew you had cancer because you you you're a time traveler. Obviously you could have gone back, you know, 10 years ago and told me or fixed it or whatever. And the father alludes, you know, maybe it was the smoking when I was a child or, or, you know, before you guys were around or whatever, but ultimately I couldn't fix it. And the son says, how long do you have? Because he knows his father knows. And the father at first gives this kind of whimsical, Oh, you know, who knows? It could be months. It could be years and blah, blah. And then he eventually says two weeks. Um, We have two, I have two weeks. And he gives his son one of the greatest gifts a parent can give their child, but specifically a parent that can time travel. And he says, here are the two rules that you should obey when it comes to having a meaningful and happy life with mm-hmm. these powers that our family has been gifted. Um, rule was... Do you remember? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I know one of the rules. I don't know what both the rules are. Well, the, the second one is obviously the, the big one, and that's the one that really really gets you. Um, first, uh, with all the everyday tension, uh, he, t- he tells Tim to live each day twice Yeah. in, in order to truly be happy. Yeah. First, he has to live every day with the tensions and worries that come with normal life. And the movie shows him having what would appear to be a very typical day. He stops for a sandwich at some local market, uh, has a brief interaction with the cashier, um, is late to a meeting. He, he is very tense at this outcome of a trial he's in. Um, he successfully wins the trial and more or less goes home and, and, and goes to sleep. The father that says, then live the exact same day again. Don't change anything. But this time, knowing what the outcome is going to be, enjoy it. Enjoy the day. Look around. Take a second to breathe it all in and, and realize what life is. And the movie shows him living the same day again, but he takes notice of the cashier's smile and joyous personality. He takes notice of the glorious buildings he's running through on the way to this trial. He takes notice of his friend who's equally enjoying the winning of the trial as he is. And he ultimately has a great interaction with his wife at night that leads to a little, you know, you know, um, and it was just Netflix and chill. Exactly. That's what they ended up doing. (laughs) And it's it's just a great message of, you know, stop and smell the roses. I mean, that's really the storyline in this movie is stop and smell the roses. 
the the movie quickly wraps up from there. The father passes away. Um, he travels back in time to talk to his dad. Shortly after the funeral, um, his his wife decides that she wants to have another child, which means there's going to be that roadblock. He's not going to be able to go back and visit his father anymore. So he goes back in time and he visits his, visits his father one last time. They have this heartwarming moment where the father knows this is going to be the last time he can come back. Um, and as the the movie wraps up, uh, Tim in a voiceover basically says that, you know, as time went on, he decided just to not do it anymore. He had no reason to travel back in time and he learned to just enjoy life the first time through. Amazing story, amazing message. What 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 are your thoughts when you're watching this? Yeah, all all that. Uh, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's 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 one of the reasons why I do go back to it uh, over and over again because you're right. It starts off as a, a cute little romantic comedy, and I've got some notes on that. But um, when it when it turns. <laughs> Not to the dark side necessarily, but when it turns like more serious, it it's like, oh, okay. Like these are the heavier implications of time travel and what does that mean and, and how do you deal with it? Um, so, yeah, I uh, think it's brilliant. Utterly brilliant movie. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the, the stuff I read about the movie said that the the writers and the director aimed to make a movie that would have people appreciate life and just be happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted to add some fantasy element to it, which was obviously the time travel, but they didn't want to focus it on the time travel aspect. They didn't want the time travel aspect to be the center of it, which is which is why they went into a very basic time travel approach i mean there is no flashy lights there's no machine he gets into there's no you know stepping on the butterfly and and causing the typhoon (laughs) he goes into a closet and clenches his fists and that's it um because they didn't want that to overpower those scenes and and the overall message of the story yeah one thing um i had written down is it's it's cool that they don't explain it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. uh that it's just like oh this is just this thing um, it's kind of like Teen Wolf, where like Scott just turns into a, a werewolf, and his dad is like, "I'm a werewolf too," and he's like, "Okay, you know what I mean?" It's like, just a thing we do, you know. This is a genetic thing. We can do this, and we don't need to know. So I thought that that was really um, cool that way. I have a question. If you think about it, I understand that he stops at some point time traveling, and maybe he picks it up later in years, but. If you go and you relive your same day, like at least over and over again, right? Are you the same age when you go back? Meaning like he, you know, say he's 38 and then like in two days he's going to turn 40 or sorry, 39 and he turns 40, right? And then um, time's messing with me. He... Does he stay 39 when he goes back or like will he be like an old man going back to that time? And I understand why they don't explain it. but Hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun. So come join me at the campfire chats. A DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. Do you remember Conan on Nintendo? Oh, how about Earthworm Jim on 64? That was my jam. Do you wish you still had it? Or maybe you have it and you're looking to clean out your collection and make some extra cash. Luckily, either way, we have the answer for you. Ridley's Gaming Realm. It's a one-stop shop for great gaming discussion, as well as a place for retro buying, selling, and trading without all the fees and drama of the other selling sites. They pride themselves on having over a year of zero reported scams. And you can find them on Facebook. Just search Ridley's Gaming Realm. That's R-I-D-L-E-Y-S. Or click on the link in the show description. And make sure you tell them DFAT sent you. Right. Yeah. So that that's the thing that 
I, I have two two comments to this. Number one, uh, I think the answer to your question is you go back to that age, right? Um, that makes because th- yeah, he he relived so many days and so many chunks of time that I think ultimately you know you can't be eighty years old in your twenty year old body and have people you know not ask you questions as to why the hell you aged, right? But that plays into the larger comment like we had talked about earlier is that they really they really don't mention they don't explain any of this. They don't explain you know, why he can go back in time, why it's a family thing, why only the men in the family can do it, how they yeah. can do it, um, the age thing. They don't, they don't explain any of that. And I am a person that loves rules. I like rules in movies that are thoroughly explained and they stick to those rules. But this movie's message ultimately wipes all that out. They, they, this, the the scene where the father is actually telling Tim about all of this is like four and a half minutes. And I was actually watching it with my wife. And when the, when they're having the scene, I remember turning to her and saying, this is ridiculous because Tim's reaction to his father telling him at the age of 21. Oh yeah. By the way, all of the men in our family can travel through time. You just have to go into a dark spot, clinch your fists and think of something and you'll be there. And Tim's reaction isn't, what are you, are you loony? Like, do we have to call the, the psych ward to get you committed? His reaction is, let me go try this. And when I come back, you're going to feel pretty foolish. That would be my reaction, though. If someone <laughs> said you can time travel, immediately I go, okay, let's try this. What, what, I wouldn't even, I, no, you, you don't question you it. You are it's... out of your mind. If no. somebody told you, if 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 the door burst open behind you yep. and your wife's like, oh, my God, I just discovered the secret to time travel. We would go, let's try it. Absolutely. <laughs> there would be no question in my mind that's the first thing that you would do. You're ridiculous. Why would you question it? What's the point? You need to prove it one way or another. So why go through the time of of asking, oh, is this really real? There's only one way to figure it out. Do it. And if it doesn't work, then it's not right. This is clearly going to be my ongoing April Fool's joke to you every year. Mm -hmm. Every year I'm just going to call you and tell you I figured it out. Yeah, great. (laughs) So you said you had a couple... (laughs) Why not, right? Uh, You said you had a couple notes about the romantic part of the movie. Let's let's talk about that first. Okay, so I'm a huge Cure fan. In case you've never seen my t-shirt collection and they use the cure in a really good way um uh, it's when he's at that uh what is it like a model exhibit or mm-hmm. it's like an art installation and he's waiting there and waiting there and waiting there perfect use of the cure loved it and you don't usually see the cure too often in movies so i thought that that was really good um i really like his friend Rory. Uh, That's the dumb the, one, right? Sure. Yeah, I loved him. I yeah. thought he was hilarious. He is in a TV show, British TV show called Love Sick. Uh, I highly, highly recommend. There's only like a couple, maybe three seasons or something like that on Netflix, um, but it's a really good show. Um, and that's when I first saw him. And then another like little uh, connective tissue is that the mom is also in Birdman. A little connective tissue yep. to your first season. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so, so, yeah. Rory is played by Joshua McGreer? Uh, I think it's McGuire. Well, long-term listeners understand I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> um, so that's okay. Uh, yeah, he's really funny. Friends also know. He he's really funny. He plays uh, Tim's kind of whimsical friend. He meets in law school, yeah. um, winds up partnering with him in a couple of the cases, and and he just really nice guy, very easygoing. Uh, kind of goes along with the ride, but he's he's portrayed as being more book smart than than street smart, if you will. Uh, and he's got a couple funny scenes. Uh, as far as the cure goes, I'm gonna leave it up to you. You're you are by far the soundtrack guy for movies when if i'm ever on who wants to be a millionaire and it's a soundtrack question you're the person i'm calling i I couldn't tell you (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't tell you a single soundtrack that i've owned from any movie 
I'm really trying to think. Maybe Sweeney Todd. I think I owned that one at one point. Um, also I, a good good movie. Um, another smaller uh, person who's now actually a much bigger actress is Vanessa Kirby. She is in Hobbs and Shaw. She was in the latest Mission Impossible, and she'll be in the next one. And she's a star of that show, The Crown. She's one mm-hmm. of the stars of that show, yeah. The Crown. So, anyway, she um, again, it's just kind of one of those things where, especially if you watch a lot of British TV shows or British movies, is that you see like so many of the same people, and then all of a sudden they just like blow up, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're in everything. <laughs> well, I, I assume Britain has like five actors total and that's why they're in everything you know what's funny about that is like when you watch certain shows you'll see these people and you won't realize they're british until you see them in an interview like i remember the first time i saw christian bale talk like a normal human like well whatever he still sounds like he (laughs) swallows marbles when he talks but i remember being like what this guy (laughs) he's a he's what Australian or, or Scottish or something like he's not uh, he's not English. I think he is. And what's funny about this is the three main actors in this are not English either. Margot Robbie's Australian. Yeah. Um, Gleason is Irish, I believe, or Scottish. Yeah. And uh, um, 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 Rachel McAdams is American. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or she's Canadian, actually. But yes. Oh, gross. Gross. <laughs> um, it's Canadian. <laughs> so, so the when, the first time you saw it, the movie shifts from the romantic aspect to more of the enjoy life, you know, true meaning of the of the movie. What did you think of that when you first saw it? Do you remember? Yeah, um, I got sad. You know, uh, at that time I wasn't a parent, um, and. You know, I don't have that same type of relationship with my own father, so it didn't hit me in that sort of way. It was more, you know, just a, from a storytelling, you know, cinematography and all that kind of fun stuff standpoint where, you know, that music's playing and they're on the beach and he's a kid and his dad is young. Okay, there, that answered my question from before. His dad was young, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they're kind of reliving, like, one of his dad's favorite moments um, from from their relationship together and uh i just remember it being like this you know even when like the sister um gets into the car accident it was a shift too you know what i mean Mm -hmm. from like the the funny you know fun stuff with like the that one redheaded kid um (laughs) jay who ends up being with her but like that whole section was like really kind of um emotional and like even the uncle you know what I mean? How he has kind of like, I don't know, like Asperger's so, or something. I was going to bring that up because when, when the father tells the son about the time travel, he does mention that, you know, some some of the other men in their family have tried various things, you know, get money, get fame or whatever, and it hasn't resulted positively for them. Um, and the, the uncle does have a few different scenes where they kind of make a joke out of his horrible memory. Um, like he forgets people in the room and you can't quite tell if he's kidding or if it's like something wrong with him. And I, I really thought that was part of the story. I thought at some point, you know, especially when his father passed away, the uncle was going to kind of explain what happened to him or kind of give his backstory and it never comes. Um, so, so maybe in a sequel, who knows? Yeah. Um, that's kind of funny. Uh, one other thing I forgot, like, I was just kind of like looking through the IMDB, the kind of, you know, facts about it. I forgot Rachel McAdams is in Midnight in Paris, which is also <laughs> a time travel movie. Jesus. And she's Owen Wilson's like fiance in that. So, <laughs> I mean, if we could only go back in time and forget about Owen Wilson. <sighs> okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the movie's budget about twelve million dollars. It winds up uh, a cumulative worldwide gross of eighty-seven million. So it does does really well um, for all extent and purposes. It is a successful movie. Um, I mean, I I really liked it. I thought the shift was nice. The other thing is when the shift happens, 
it's noticeable. Um, it's not really, I wouldn't say it's gradual. I mean, it happens over about a 10 minute period, uh, specifically surrounding the sister's car accident and leading into the father's cancer diagnosis, but it doesn't feel abrupt. If that makes sense, it's not really gradual, but it doesn't feel abrupt. I mean, at no point was I like, Whoa, where is this movie going? Um, you know, out of left field, it, it kind of feels like you're following this character, Tim, and you know, throughout life, life goes from you know, romance to seriousness to comedy to whatever. So, I don't know, what did, what did you think about the actual shift in the movie? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't see it coming, uh, necessarily, but it doesn't at all take me out of the movie. Um, and in fact, it brings me more into the movie because I'm just not expecting it. And I think it's another reason why I can rewatch this movie so many times because there's plenty of other uh, romantic comedies, especially where it's kind of like, okay, that was cute and I will never see this as a cute movie. This is more like, okay, it starts out really cute, but then you got the time travel thing. You've got some A-class actors and then you throw in like this Ooh, okay. Like we should really be appreciating life, and oh, his dad is really caring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you get in these heavier themes, um, and uh, yeah, it, it sucks me in every time. <laughs> uh, anything else about the movie you want to talk about before we move into a couple of segments? I got. Um, just you know if. Well, I would hope if anyone's listening, like uh, they saw it, because otherwise we spoil the crap out of it. But um, I'm interested to hear what other people think about this. I have not met anyone who's seen this movie who doesn't like it. Uh, I would actually really question uh, that kind of person, like what kind of soul they have uh, or lack thereof, <laughs> because it is so good. And, um, you know, I watch Love Actually every year at Christmas with my wife, and I did it before I met her like I just think Richard Curtis is really just great and um, this one goes up there again uh, it used to be it used to be Garden State for a long time that was in my uh, romantic comedy rotation where I would watch it every year and I still do love Garden State but this one as soon as I saw it I was like oof man got that Cure song in there but um, <laughs> it's just great <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, to, just to go back real quick to Rachel McAdams, uh, one of the points I wanted to make about her career. So this movie comes out in 2013. This mm -hmm. is shortly after she stars in the Sherlock Holmes um, movies. Those are in oh, 2011. Yeah. Um, she has The Vow. Then she has This About Time. And then she's in other stuff after this, but she's not really in anything noticeable until Doctor Strange in 2016. So she has like a three-year gap where she doesn't really come out with any big blockbusters and then even from dr strange in 2016 she hasn't really been anything I mean, she was in game night but that wasn't really huge and uh, she's rumored to be in sherlock holmes 3 but i mean do what happened with rachel mcadams was it something anything that you're aware of or did she just kind of fade off kids kids yeah, yeah. like at those times you know what i mean like <laughs> i think she had a couple of kids um and if not, you know, she's the kind of actress where she, she does get a little bit typecast. Um, but, you know, I've watched Mean Girls plenty of times. Like, she can play different characters. You know what I mean? And uh, I think she is a strong and capable actress. And she's been in enough of these, like, huge movies um, where she's probably doing pretty well and... She's just like, hey, you know, maybe I'm just gonna travel the world, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. But I, but I think she had kids. Holy cow! Mean Girls comes out the same year as The Notebook. Holy cow! I would have put those movies like five years apart. Yeah, she was young. Both of them, her and Gosling, were young at that time, man. Yeah, 
Um, okay, so uh, as you may remember from season one, I did come up with five questions that I thought pertained to all movies. Um, okay. Well, you know our millennial society, things get condensed down and we have to go to the abridged version. So I've squished, <laughs> I've squished so them you're, down. you're appealing to the millennials who listen to this show. I, I mean, you. I have to. I have to appeal to my audience and my people. Uh-huh. Um, so I now have three questions. Uh, whose sole purpose are to help us answer the purpose of the podcast, which is, was this a good movie? So uh, without further ado, we'll get into the three questions. Question number one. What was the message of the film? And do you agree with it? Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was the answer to the first part. The message of the film was yes. You know, the message of the film is to live every day as if it's a great day. You know what I mean? Like really appreciate um, what life has to offer because it is precious. And um this is a kind of movie which affirms it and we don't always think about it. We think about our jobs and, uh, you know, maybe stuff with our kids or our own health or our marriage, blah, all that other stuff. And, and sometimes we do not, um, walk outside and say, Holy shit, I'm alive. And you know, we're not, especially now we're in a pandemic of all times. Uh, maybe we're over it by the time this records, who knows, but <laughs> I, I feel we're probably gonna be in it anyway point is take that time to be happy that you're spending more time with your kids or you aren't traveling as much and therefore you get to see more people that you wouldn't normally see and maybe you took some time to grow etc and uh, you'd be a little bit more like Tim and not have to repeat those days just appreciate the ones that you're in yeah, I mean, I, just to piggyback off of that, you're 100% right. I think it's easy to say the message is, you know, live every day like it's your last or something like that. But in this movie, it's not. I mean, he can go back and kind of relive that anytime he wants. I think the message is more, you know, you can get caught up in the whirlwind of what happens and be focusing on the major events and and that thing happening at the end of the week or that, you know, thing you really want to do or the promotion you're going after. Um, but the message is, you know, that's not really the important stuff. The important stuff is all the stuff that happens in between and all these little moments that we so often glance over. And those are the moments that you should really stop and enjoy and, and just appreciate, just look around for a second and appreciate where you are. Um, so the, I mean, the second part of that is, do you agree with it? And I, I think I, it's kind of a foolish second part for this particular movie because if you don't agree with it, I don't understand, you know, what, what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? No, 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 no. no. Life sucks. And then you die. <laughs> <laughs> Only focus on the big stuff. Exactly. Um, question number two, how did the movie leave you feeling? And do you think that was intentional? Yeah, I mean, okay, you already quoted Richard Curtis from saying like they wanted to do something life affirming. And um, when you watch yesterday, which you will probably soon, you'll also know uh, it's another life affirming sort of thing. Um, but in, in love actually is, you know, I this is just what he does, I guess, uh, <laughs> in, in most of his movies. But um, yeah, I felt that uh you know you you do really have to uh take some time and um think about the good stuff so i felt that way after i watched the movie over and over <laughs> yeah so so when you rewatch the movie is it out of a love for the movie or is it out of listen some time has passed and i need i need that reformation again to to do that no i think it's just um the love for the movie yeah that's it okay um and then my third question uh, that i had to bring back for season two is what is the most important sequence in the movie that one with the cure (laughs) (laughs) the museum scene right uh you know um that's hard to say. Well, the most important scene, sorry. Uh, the most important scene would be that scene with him and his dad. Um, 
which is kind of, I won't say it's like a screw up necessarily, but it kind of negates a little thing. Like if they go back and he says, the dad says like, okay, if we don't screw anything up, then we should be okay. Like if we keep it exactly the way it was. But if you said, hey, you can't go back before your kids are born because it can screw everything up. You, you already set that rule, according to what you said before, in motion, and therefore something should have screwed up. But I don't care. The sequence is beautiful. <laughs> uh, you know, you got Tom Waits uh, music, which I love. Uh, so, yeah, it's, just a, it's a great scene, and um, it is, I won't say necessarily the crux of the movie, but it kind of sort of is too. Uh, yeah, I mean very similar scene kind of the same purposes is i like when he's going through uh the two items that his dad told him as far as you know live the first day um with the worries and fears and tension oh, yeah that's great. and then live the second day yeah. uh, enjoying it and and what a just phenomenal shooting on behalf of the director there with showing the same day he doesn't make any major changes but you do get that that coffee shop scene where he's quick to grab a sandwich and leave and then you get that coffee shop scene again where ultimately nothing is different, but you see the subtleties in his face as he's appreciating the happiness on somebody else or, you know, appreciating that, that they won the case with his friend. Um, and he's yeah. even got a couple of scenes where he's like poking fun at somebody, you know, behind their back uh, just to get a laugh out of somebody. Um, so I just I just thought that paired so well with the point that the father was making as far as living every day twice. Um, and That's I really, probably I really, a better scene. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, so uh, one last, well, actually, you know what? We're going to go with um, answering the, the purpose first before we play our, our game. Um, so with that being said, we got the answer to our three questions. We recapped the movie. We've talked extensively about it, um, but just to get it on record, was this a good movie? Great movie great movie i agree I, again this is one of those movies where i think if you dive too hard into it um how, how do they travel through time why is it only their family why is it only the guys you know how are they able to go back at the end when he's a boy if you if you dig too deep into it you're going to get muddy and the movie's not going to make sense and you're going to lose the appreciation so i think this is a great example of one of those movies where you just take it at face value and you say yeah this was a really good movie did your wife like it? She did. She did like it. She she missed a little chunk in the middle because the youngsters are running around, but um, <laughs> she, but she did like it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um. So without further ado, we are we did get some strong uh, feedback from the fans that we had to bring back. Guess that tomato. Um. So let's roll into that. So as you know, uh, Guess That Tomato is where I challenge the guests to correctly identify the audience rating of your movie, 2013's About Time, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I suck at this game. <laughs> like, real bad. So the score goes 0 to 100. Um, let's hear your first guess. Uh, audience, right? It's not the it's not the critic score. Correct. Audience score: fifty seven thousand eight hundred and sixty three people have rated this movie, and they have settled on an average score of eighty two. All right. And with that being said, I'm going to now give you the critic score rated by one hundred and fifty eight critics. The critics scored at a sixty eight. Bastard. I'm also going to give you three movies that are within two percent of this movie's rating in order to help you or maybe hurt you. Who knows? <laughs> uh, movie number one, Captain Marvel, 2019's Marvel movie starring Brie Lawson as Carol Danvers. Yeah. Movie number two, Creed 2, 2018's sequel to a movie that started that was a sequel to a franchise. Still continuing. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, but that, but that was killed. So Creed so 2. Good is the yeah. sequel to Creed, which yeah. is the sequel to the entire Rocky franchise. Yeah. So what is a sequel to a sequel? Inception. Inception, exactly. I'm pretty sure that was the basis for the movie. I'm, but I'm telling you right now, I love every single one of those movies, except for Rocky Five. 
what what was it about Rocky Five? Was it when he he went around the Earth and turned back time? <laughs> yeah, he beat the Earth backwards. <laughs> and uh, movie number three, Sausage Party. Seth Rogen and James Franco's 2016 very adult animated movie about what would happen if groceries had a consciousness. Everything was going real well, and then you throw in the sausage. Party. <laughs> so interesting tidbit about Sausage Party. Did you know that they actually have an alternate ending where the groceries go into the real world and kill all the humans and take over? I didn't even know. I forgot that movie existed. Um. Okay, so I said eighty-two. You said eighty-two. Do you want to change your answer? Yeah. I'm going to go 76. 76. Yep. And the correct answer is... <laughs> 81%. Son of a bandit. You were so close. Should have just stayed. So close. Um, we have some critics uh, saying, some people reveal in the warm front of innocence, others will reach their own volatile. Um, one negative critic said there's a lot of comic and fantasy potential here, but much of it gets squandered. Whatever, dude. These critics don't even know themselves. One, <laughs> what's my favorite one? One critic said it's about time this movie ended. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. That's good. That's good. One. That good. <laughs> um, well, Classic. I before we uh, before we sign off, it is a firm belief of the owners of Don't Forget Towel, yourself being one of them, <laughs> that everybody geeks out on something. While it may not be movies and comic books, it might be time traveling and you know watching your father die of cancer. Uh, so I got to ask Casey, what is it that you are currently geeking out on? <laughs> well, man, you gave me such good choices there. It was, a, it was a shift. It was a subtle shift there. Uh, evil, evil shift. Um, so currently, I'm geeking out on Star Wars Squadrons, uh, where I get to jump inside my own X-Wing and fly around and kill uh, TIE Fighters. And it is amazing, and I love it, and I love it even more when I play it in virtual reality. What uh, what system are you playing it on right now? PS4, brah. Nice. Yeah. Anything else, or is that is that the only it, your whole free time right there? No, I mean the other thing is like uh, you know we're watching House Haunted House on Bly Manor and Lovecraft County and all that kind of stuff. Lovecraft Country. That's great. Right, so so we're recording this in October, which is considerably sooner um, than it's going to be released. But you're big on watching the horror movies during the month of October. Yeah, I watch horror movies all year round, so it's not like, woo, but I specifically will only watch horror-related things in October. So anything that's not horror-related, I just wait until uh, November hits. So people have been talking about Batman, Death in the Family, and you know, I just won't watch it until next month. I mean, that, that could be horror-related. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we do share a similar passion for a specific Halloween movie. Have you watched Trick or Treat yet? I am currently uh, wearing a trick or treat T-shirt. Uh, what a great! I didn't even know that. What a great yeah, setup yeah. that was. It's on. It's on the list, of course. I, I will watch it. All right, then. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, don't don't forget towel. Don't forget towel.com, The only place to travel geekly. Uh, if you are a fan of news, reviews, comic books, anything pop culture. That would be just a really good place to visit. You can also listen to sweet podcasts like this one or the Towel Light Talk, which is our uh, news um, podcast. And then if you guys are into comic books, you can check out our Etsy page and get your hands on some sweet swag. Absolutely. Pursuit of Plastic, Hollowed, Inferio. Um, phenomenal comic books. Love every one of them. Casey, thank you so much for being my guest. And uh, enjoy the rest of your trick-or-treats. Thanks.
You've got Gutsy Media Podcast. Leave a message about any movies you've covered, and maybe we'll add it to the show. Thanks. I'm a long-haul truck driver, and every week I download your podcast because I think you're the fucking best. But guess what? You fucking let me down, you son of a bitch. You made me listen to About Time. You made me watch the movie About Time. And God damn it, I don't give a shit about that motherfucking movie. About Time? It's about time I turn that motherfucker off. It's a dumb movie. I got the ability to travel time, but my daddy says I shouldn't use it for personal gain. Fuck you, dad. Fuck you, dad. I'm rich, motherfucker. Think I'm worried about some average girl, some B girl? Rachel McAdams? Fuck her. I'm fucking movie stars, bro. I'm rich. I'm getting poon cane. I'm making money. You think I'm driving an 18-wheeler? You think I work for Walmart? Fuck you. Fuck no. I'm rich. You wasted my fucking time. Two hours and fucking three minutes of run time. Fuck you. You lost a fucking listener, bro. Pick good movies. You bitch. Fuck you.